0: I think both of us were shocked that a marshmallow company could have that kind of impact on people. But if we were, we owed it to our customers to keep doing that.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Shopify Masters, the weekly podcast powered by Shopify, your companion for starting and building a business. I'm your host, Felix Tia. There isn't just one way to become an entrepreneur. There are many and it doesn't matter what you're selling so long as you're dedicated to it and you have customers that love it. Case in point, Catherine Cotter and Lindsay Shanks. Both are huge fans of marshmallows. I mean, who isn't? But they've been able to turn that strange mix of sugar, water, and gelatin into a thriving online business with a solid social media presence. The company is called XO Marshmallow, and they sell, you guessed it, gourmet marshmallows with flavors that run from salted caramel to funfetti. Both Catherine and Lindsay are here today to share their story and success. Welcome, both of you, to Shopify Masters.
0: Thank you. Thanks
2: for having us. Good to be here.
1: Yeah, so first of all, I have to ask, why marshmallows? What attracts both of you to to the world of marshmallows?
2: Well, I mean, like you said, what's not to love about marshmallows? Um, But honestly, I don't know anyone that doesn't have a great memory, either with a hot cup of cocoa or a s'more or even just Rice Krispie treats. So for me, I mean, you could say my love for marshmallows goes all the way back to my childhood.
0: Same. I actually grew up um, way out in the country in the middle of nowhere in Texas. And I always remember uh, we would go to my grandparents' house and my grandfather would make these huge bonfires and we would literally make uh, s'mores by roasting marshmallows on sticks we would find on the ground, which I wouldn't recommend now. Um, but I always, even when we eat a, a fancy spore now, I go back to that place. So it's it's all about the nostalgia for me.
1: Yeah, and I've certainly had the, uh, the the s'mores. I've done the stick thing as well. Um, but I maybe only had gourmet marshmallows w- once or twice in, in my life. Tell us more about your gourmet marshmallows. What makes it different than what would you find in an average grocery store?
2: Yeah, um, gourmet marshmallows to us mean that they are made with the best possible ingredients we can find. And... We like to cut out anything we don't need, which means there are no preservatives in our marshmallows. And we try and really pay attention to our customers with allergies and sensitivities to food. So we are naturally gluten-free in terms of making marshmallows. And um, with that, and with the different flavors we're able to produce with these natural ingredients, it has created what I would consider a superior product. Um, They're fluffy. They are flavorful, they're colorful, um, but like I said, they don't have any of the bad stuff.
1: I mentioned salted caramel and funfetti as some of your flavors. What are some other more popular flavors that you have in your store?
0: Yeah, our customers tend to lean to some of the more classic, iconic flavors. So our most popular flavors in terms of marshmallows are going to be funfetti, uh, cotton candy, and salted caramel— But what really does super well for for us is our ooey marshmallow goodness. It's our version of marshmallow fluff. So think of it kind of like a pint of ice cream with whipped marshmallow fluff and different mix-ins. And our over-the-top ooey marshmallow goodness, which comes with uh, gluten-free chocolate-covered pretzels, edible chocolate chip cookie dough, salted caramel sauce, and pecans. We just can barely keep it in stock.
1: And you started this business in in 2015. And I want to talk about some of the amazing growth that you've had since then. The business started with just $100 in the bank. Tell us more about how you're able to scale up. Like, what were you using those $100 for when you're starting the business?
0: We've started with $100 each in the bank, so $200. And we kind of joke around about uh, Kat likes to strategize everything and I like to move really fast. So we kind of sat down and Kat was like, We should consider putting together a website and kind of figuring out where we're going to use this money. And I was like, no, no, no. I've already put together the website. We have about 30 orders, like time to go. (laughs) So the first initial money we used was really to experiment with packaging and to just fund the initial orders that were coming in.
1: So 30 orders, you had a website going already. Where did these customers come from?
2: Social media, primarily. And some friends and family, they were kind of curious to see how we were going to pull it off.
1: Yeah. So I want to rewind a bit. So you already had a social media presence before launching the business. Was it focused on marshmallows? Like, What was what was the social media presence that you had?
0: Yeah. So Kat and I actually met um, before we launched XO Marshmallow and I was running a pop-up shop for my business then called the Trendy Sparrow. And Kat was working for me and experimenting with making marshmallows. We decided to sell them in the shop to see how they would do. And by the end of the shop, My mugs and her marshmallows were the number one best-selling product, so we had already cultivated a bit of a following just from that pop-up shop alone, and people kept asking, okay, when the pop-up shop ends, where am I going to be able to get these marshmallows? And Kat and I decided to become business partners, start the online shop, and the people we had met through that process were pretty much instant customers.
1: So you, you sold them into the pop-up shop and then sold them online. And then with the success from the online business, a year later in 2016, you two opened up a, a cafe in Chicago. What made you decide to to branch out and, and go back to selling into in a physical space?
2: Yeah. So um, when we were first getting started, um, we obviously had limited funds. So everything was so calculated down to every bag of sugar we had to purchase. And through that, we were kind of making friends with a lot of the local chambers of commerce, um, people who ran farmers markets, any kind of market in the city. And we basically said, listen, we don't have a lot of money for a booth or a table, but if at the 11th hour you have an opening that you want filled, give us a call. And that worked out pretty well for us. We were in a couple positions where we would get a call sometime in the afternoon, the day before, and I would just stay up all night making marshmallows and we would show up and do our best. And I think. That having customers who would come to the market and find us, that really um, begged the question of, well, where else can we get Exo Marshmallow? Where can we have you make a s'more for us in person? And while we were focused so much on our website, we knew we were eventually wanting to open a location. We just didn't think it would be that soon, and it really was the demand from the customers that brought us to having the retail space.
1: Can you walk us through opening the doors for the first time, inviting customers in? Like, what was that experience? Like, were there people ready to come in? Like, what was that first day like?
2: So, we actually hid behind the door um, the very first day. We were terrified. We we just—all the panic set in of, we put all this money in. It was every last cent that we had. What if no one shows up? We're not ready. And We just sort of held our breath and said, okay, we're going to do it. One, two, three, go— And there was actually a line down the block and around the corner. So it was a a pretty amazing feeling, actually, once we take a peek. Yeah, we
0: did so much of the build out of that first cafe ourselves. I mean, blood, sweat and tears and nights of painting and building. I mean, we did everything. And to Kat's point about every cent i'm pretty sure the day we opened our cafe we probably had like a dollar left in the bank so we were like we really really hope this works out and we were so nervous and luckily everyone who had invested in us before was there and they were excited and the rest of the day was just a blur
1: yeah can you you say more about what's involved in in building kind of publicity when you have like a local business and you're trying to get customers into the door what was involved in in getting the building the buzz for the store
0: Yeah, a lot of it was working with uh, social media influencers as well as traditional media in the city of Chicago. You know, the wonderful thing about opening a food business here is Chicago is a food town through and through. Like, we love to eat. And so generating that buzz for a restaurant is really fantastic. So a lot of it was... Pitching out to people that we had this new and innovative concept, we were excited to have people come through and give their honest opinion. You know, we'd be happy to send them product with no obligation to post, and we just wanted to hear their honest Feedback of what the product would be like, and every single influencer and blogger we sent product to posted, even though we didn't pay, because they genuinely loved the product and wanted to spread the word about it. Um, And the same thing with the media that ended up coming through, They, they genuinely enjoyed it. I think because, like you said earlier, almost everyone has a memory related to a marshmallow. So when you're in there and you're in the cafe, and we start toasting a marshmallow. And you smell it; your olfactory senses kick in, and all of a sudden, you're taken back to that place in your childhood—the memory you have surrounding marshmallows.
1: Yeah, and speaking of this kind of experience of being in person and smelling the marshmallows, how does that? How do you make sure that translates online when you are selling selling your your marshmallows online when you can't smell it? How do you make sure that people understand or or takes them back to that place of that nostalgia that that you're looking to get them to when they're in person, but now now they're online? How do you make sure that's still uh, possible?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of the million dollar question, right? Is how do you translate that exact same experience to someone who has never set foot in your store? And for us, it's all about the branding and the very detailed packaging Um, That all of our products arrive in. So, from the exterior packaging that has s'mores on the box, you know, if you've ever ordered something online and you're really excited for it to come in and you rush down to the front door and you see the package and you get that moment of giddiness that the thing that you ordered is finally here, um, you don't want to just be seeing like a boring box, right? So, we make sure that it is totally branded, looks gorgeous. And then from the moment you open it, it is stickers, inserts, everything. So as if you were coming to our cafe, you still get that colorful, whimsical, joyful moment that is walking through our door as you're opening that box. It's that sense of discovery um, and just really encouraging people to have fun with it and play with their marshmallows the moment they open the box.
1: I'm speaking to Lindsay Shanks and Kat Connor, co-founders of XO Marshmallow. So when you first launched it, you started with 12 initial flavors. How did you decide which flavors to launch with? Did you have any information about or any kind of data or research to know what's the best chance you have at launching this business? Like which kind of flavors to go with at first?
2: When we first met, a lot of the recipe testing was around packaging size, um, really hearing customers who would... They're generally looking for gifts. So knowing that and knowing that we wanted something different, you know, not just marshmallows thrown into a bag, but something that someone could give to another person, we quickly came up with a quantity and sort of the size. And from there, also keeping in mind, what were the flavors people loved in terms of, you know, from fall into winter was for the holidays. So we knew peppermint was going to do well. We had the seasonality of we did a pumpkin spice flavor. Um, that fun champagne, and really through talking about what the brand was about, this fun, whimsical, nostalgic company, we kind of based the flavors around those ideas. So really by pulling that brand through, we knew we wanted classics. So we had vanilla. We considered salted caramel a classic flavor. Um, we also wanted to bring in that whimsy and fun. So that's where, you know, champagne comes in. Lavender honey was a very popular whimsical flavor so we we thought all right we will come up with sort of three per category and um see how they do and kind of fold in a seasonal flavor as that as that happens and sort of as we grew we we realized you know this is what people really wanted so we try and respect not only what we know works but um we listen to our customers uh pretty frequently Our Troop XO,
0: which is what we call our followers, they are not shy about giving their opinions, which is wonderful. Um, And they will tell you what they want. So at the end of the year now, we send out different surveys. We're constantly asking on social media. And so we're tweaking our flavors, both our core and our seasonal offerings, primarily based on what they want.
1: Hold that thought. We'll be right back after this quick word from Shopify. The first cup of coffee, it was awful.
2: Meet Rod Johnson, co-founder of Black & Bold, a premium specialty coffee and tea company powered by Shopify. The journey of Black & Bold started with us opening our online Shopify store while we were burning beans in my business partner's garage. Shopify allows us to stay true to our mission by having an easily customizable and responsive site. that make it very easy for novices to try their hand in becoming entrepreneurs. Get a free 14-day trial at Shopify.com/podcast.
1: You mentioned something earlier, which was that the packaging was very purposeful in that it was built for gifting, not just you know a bag of marshmallows that you buy at a store and just kind of rip open when you get home and snack on. How did you know that that was the the kind of angle or the approach that you should take?
0: Honestly, from my experience with my first business and listening to the feedback from people at a clothing boutique, people were constantly looking for something unique and giftable that they couldn't find anywhere else. And we knew when we started this brand that we really wanted to stand out. And even the other gourmet marshmallow companies that existed at the time were simply throwing them in craft paper bags or cellophane bags with a sticker, and we needed something that was going to literally stand out on the shelves and pop. And so we wanted to create something that was giftable not only for a person you might be buying it from, but for yourself. Right. If you're going to invest the kind of money we charge for a gourmet marshmallow, you have to surprise and delight your customer in every single element. And packaging was a big part of that.
1: And as you were going through this as a team and, and as you were designing the first packages, what, what did you learn about what works and what doesn't work to include on, on a package to give this kind of wow factor that you're giving a gift to others or giving a gift to yourself? And it's actually a fun experience of un, unboxing it all.
0: I know one of the things that we really wanted to do as we were explaining to people what the marshmallows were was to make sure that our packaging had a window on it so that they could see the product and they could see that it was marshmallows um, without even really having to do too much discovery. The other thing we learned was to be relatively implicit about the product. Uh, our first couple of rounds of packaging were focused so much on the beautiful design that we forgot to really showcase the fact that they were marshmallows. Um, So as we've continued to grow and evolve throughout the years, it's finding that balance between a beautiful artistic design, but also making sure that you're not creating a barrier to discovery for your customers. You want to make it really obvious what the product is so that
2: they're not having to do too
0: much work to think about it.
2: I I would say from a a food standpoint, um, learning as we go has also played a huge part in the packaging. Um, When we first started, our first box was actually a box that you might buy some stationery or cards in. And so um, evolving from there, realizing this is great, for the time being, what can we do to improve it? And one of the things we found is if we utilized um, heat-sealable bags within the box, it would actually extend our shelf life and the quality of the marshmallow. And as we make decisions around packaging, we are constantly thinking about ways that will help our customers, help our wholesale customers um, enjoy the product for as long as possible. So I, I do think that one of the main things for us was the the functionality, but also incorporating the brand in ways that we could afford to. And so as we can afford to continue that customized packaging experience, we do.
1: So as you are launching new products, especially the ones that are seasonal, where you're rotating in and out, is it a kind of hectic process to kind of push out the latest product each season? Or is it you have it kind of nailed down now? Tell us more about what goes into from the beginning of thinking of a new flavor all the way to putting into that package to ship out to your customer for the first time.
0: I would say the way we did it when we started versus how we do it now is pretty night and day. So, you know, when we first started, we might be doing a marshmallow of the month club and it might be four days until the new month and we're panicking trying to figure out what the flavor is going to be, Um, trying to order the packaging for it, super last minute. and just trying to make it work. I was taking all the photos with my iPhone as quickly as possible, just trying to get something out there in part because Kat and I were doing everything ourselves. So we were working so much um, in the business that we weren't really taking a lot of time to work on the business. Now that we've been able to hire so many wonderful people and are able to get ahead, um, for example, The marshmallows of the month for the rest of the year have already been planned. They have already been R&D'd. We're working on the packaging for them now. Uh, Some of them are getting photographed next month. So we try to almost work uh, like at least six months at a time now. And um, our advent calendar, which is our most popular uh, seasonal item, we actually start working on in February to be able to launch for the holiday season.
1: I'm speaking to Lindsay Shanks and Kat Connor, co-founders of EXO Marshmallow. And I want to talk about something that happened in 2020. So you have a very gift-heavy business, and there were some big opportunities uh, with corporate gifting that you two felt that you missed out on. Tell us more about what happened here.
0: We actually ended up doing relatively well in corporate gifting in 2020. I think because so many companies wanted to find a way to connect to their employees. And previously, we would ship a whole bunch of a product to one location and they would handle it. And when 2020 happened and everybody was working from home, all of a sudden we'd get an email that would say, hey, I need to ship um, 500 s'mores kits and I need you to ship them to 500 different addresses. And we were able to do it as much as we could. I think really where we missed a lot of opportunities in 2020 is that we could not grow fast enough from a structural point of view because of supply chain issues and because the rest of the world was shut down. So we ended up having to turn down a lot of great opportunities simply because we physically couldn't make the product.
1: Yeah, and in the the midst of the pandemic, while the the world shut down and your your cafe also closed, you've still seen such tremendous growth in your business, specifically powered through the e-commerce store. What do you think accounted for the growth of, of the business or the growth of the desire for your products, even though your store was shut down at the time?
2: I think that the giftability element really helped us. The fact that we did have a substantial following definitely helped us because when When people were, I think, at home, they wanted a little sunshine for themselves. They wanted to send something to their best friend they weren't going to get to see or their wedding party because they were doing a virtual wedding. But also something surprising I think we found out was that our wholesale accounts, the boutiques, the other people all around the country who had had to pivot because of COVID were able to sell our product pretty pretty quickly. And and we got a lot of messages that said, you know, your products are the only thing that's moving for us. So we need to place an order. We need to place it now. So our wholesale accounts really grew during that period as well. Yeah. And to
0: add to um, Kat's statement about people just wanting to feel a little sense of joy at home. Uh, when 2020 and, and COVID happened, we really took the time on our social media accounts to truly connect with our customers. We were on Instagram stories. We were on Instagram live a lot, just honestly talking to people and trying to spread as much happiness as we could. We actually started doing um these daily moments of joy where I would every morning write down something I was grateful for or something that we had an opportunity to be grateful for and shared it with everybody. And we started getting messages from people that were like, this is the only thing that gets me through my day. And I think both of us were shocked that a marshmallow company could have that kind of impact on people. But if we were, it we owed it to our customers to keep doing that. Yeah.
1: So you've seen a lot of growth from social media from the launch of the the business, the launch of the the store from the beginning, launch of the physical retail store and success during the pandemic, and do very little with when it comes to paid marketing. A lot of it's just gone grown organically. What do you think has been the, the secret to kind of creating the content that allows you to build a business without having to pour money into, into ads?
0: Yeah, I think it ultimately boils down to community. Our community is, has always been extremely supportive and has always been people that we lean to in times where the business is struggling or in times where uh, we don't know what to do. We have made listening to our customers such a core tenant of our brand from day one. And I think they feel that. And because we listen to them, not only in terms of responding to their comments or messages, but truly listen to them in terms of creating new product or changing existing product that they have continued to support us. And, you know, one of the things we see on um, our posts on social media is they get a lot of shares. And so I think our customers, our followers are really excited about our product and that Word of mouth is now word of mouth in the social media age. And I think that we've done a really good job of creating a community that wants to share our product. And
1: this group of loyal customers called Troop EXO. what do you think brings them to talk to each other, right? Because if you're building a community, it's not just you talking to them, but like, are they also talking to each other, like being involved with, the, with each other inside the community?
0: I think so. I mean, we see it quite a bit um, on Instagram and quite a bit on TikTok where our customers are engaging with one another, um, especially if somebody has a comment about a flavor, whether positive or negative. You get almost little debates in there sometimes of, oh, I don't like this flavor. No, how dare you say that? This is my favorite flavor. Um, Always in a respectful way, of course. Um, And they sort of create that engagement on the page. And so it's really interesting to see you know, where people are really excited. Um, like I said, our customers are not at all shy about giving their opinions. So it's, it's nice to see when they give it to each other.
1: And speaking of TikTok, you're now quickly approaching 1 million likes on, on your videos on TikTok for someone that's starting out specifically on TikTok, that's looking to grow their business. Tell us about how do you get started? Like what, what advice do you have to, to get to the point that you two are at today?
0: Yeah, in terms of growing your TikTok following and just getting started on TikTok, it is just that, just get started, right? It's not the same as Instagram. Your post doesn't need to be perfect. Your post doesn't need to be stunning. It just needs to be authentically you. And for a long time, I was uh, afraid of being in front of the camera, and I really have shifted that quite a bit. And I answer a lot of questions on TikTok openly and honestly, and sometimes those videos get the most engagement. Um, So I would say just post and post a lot. I mean, I now post anywhere from three to four times a day on TikTok, and so we see a lot of growth from that. If you have recorded something and you're thinking to yourself, like, this is stupid. No one's going to like it. I'm not going to post it. I don't care. Post it anyway, because chances are people really like it. I posted a video yesterday of the fact that I was trying to get a video of our OMG piping and it screwed up at the very end. We ran out of fluff, and it was this very awkward moment. And he ended up posting the video, and it's doing so well because the comments are like, "Perfect is boring. This is amazing."
1: What's next for Exo Marshmallow? What What do you have sights on next for for the growth of the business?
2: What don't we have our sights on? Um, I think when you're first getting started, you'll say yes to just about anything. Um, even if it means staying up all night, or calling friends and family for backup support, or like midnight runs to whatever you need to do to get it done, and I think that that mindset has shifted. We have gotten to a place of a better balance, um, but we still say yes a lot. So we don't like to close ourselves off to opportunities for the future for XO. You know, we we do see ourselves growing. Um, I think that coming out of this pandemic has left us sort of open and grateful for what we have. Um, We are working on opening our new cafe location pretty soon, so that'll be an exciting journey. That'll be in uh, the Lincoln Park area in Chicago, and we are consistently developing new products, so not just marshmallows but other treats inspired by enjoying marshmallows, Um, Right now, we have a new OMG that's come out, banana pudding, and it is delicious if you're a fan. Um, And uh, from there, we are just also continuing to try and plan ahead where we can. So while we can't predict what the next absolute big flavor might be, we know that we're going to have that moment with marshmallows. We're going to get there. Yeah, take over the world one
0: fluffy marshmallow at a time.
1: Thank you so much for joining me today. Lindsay and Catherine, co-founders of XO Marshmallow. They make handcrafted gourmet marshmallows that come in different flavors and playful packaging. Thanks to you both.
2: Of course, thank you. Thank you.
1: And that's all the time we have this week. Come hang out with us next time on Shopify Masters. My name is Felix Tia and take care.